As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. High in the air, Brito back at the wall, adios, Pelota! That's the type of manager that I'd like to be, which is the same every day. They know what they're going to get. They're going to get energy. They're going to get accountability. They're going to get structure, and they're going to get support. And I'm going to bring those things to the dugout in the clubhouse regularly. It takes hard work, uh, and it takes humility, taking one step forward at a time, making one good baseball move after another. And I really feel like that's how we're going to get where we hope and intend to go. You're listening to Bags and Brisby on Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to episode 116 of the Bags and Brisby podcast. I'm Grant Brisby. I'm here with Andy Baggerly. Andy, how are you doing? I'm doing fine on this somewhat overcast uh, in the Bay Area Monday morning. How are you? I'm doing very well. I'm, I, I, I wish I'm, I'm really sad about losing the uniform numbers. You know, 116. There's no 116. Um, so I Googled San Francisco Giants 116. And it comes up with the 1967 tops. Number 116 <laughs> is Herman Franks. So oh, nice. That's what nice. I got. I guess I guess baseball card numbers is where I'll go to. Um, but we're gonna talk. Uh, we're gonna talk some prospects today because it, we're recording this on Monday, and Sunday's game, which was televised, was was fun. It was fun. A lot a lot of cool stuff happened, right? Well, I think we will be able to use the uniform number for the podcast episodes, triple digits going forward, because, I mean, there won't be any left after they retire Elliot Ramos's uniform number <laughs> and Marco Luciano's uniform number, Joey Bart's uniform number, and Jason Vosler's uniform number, of course. They're of all going to be Hall of Famers. and uh, uh, But yeah, it was, I mean, you really, it was kind of like eye candy for Giants fans there. I mean, you really couldn't uh, get enough of that stuff. Ramos hitting two homers, so one to left field, one to right. Uh, and you got guys like Lamont Wade that, that fans are still getting familiar with, and he hit a homer. Steven Duggar. Duggar looks stronger. And I'll tell you what, if, if, if Steven Duggar can start to hit a little bit and have some consistent at-bats, he's so much better than anybody else they could play in center field defensively. I, I mean, talk about a guy who could be a difference maker uh, to dream on him a little bit. But, yeah, there was just so much good stuff that happened, and, and obviously Bart and Ramos are probably uh, – uh, the two guys to get most excited about after watching a game like that. Yeah, absolutely. Ramos is two home runs. You know, all home runs are beautiful, special creatures. But the first one, you know, his opposite field power, the second one was fun to watch. 
But that first one where he it was like shoulder height, a fastball that he it was it was a strength home run. It was a home run that, you know, other other hitters might pop up. And it was eye opening because, again, he's just 21. This is not some 25 year old uh, prospect who's been around AAA a few years. Like He's still young for a a prospect in AAA. He's still the age of someone the Giants might draft in the first round this year. Uh, He's strong. He's really wildly strong. Yeah, and I think we kind of saw what happened last year when you get a guy who's a power threat, a right-handed power threat, you saw the way that pitchers adjusted and, and, and attacked Joey Bart. It was hard in, soft away, hard in, soft away. And here here you go, kid, let, let you get yourself out. And oh, look, he did a whole bunch of times. And one of the things that was interesting that came out of a conversation I had yesterday with Kyle Haynes, the Giants farm director, I, I called him up after the Ramos game just because I wanted his perspective on what he's seen in the changes with Ramos throughout, you know, not only last year because he was with him at Sacramento at the alternate site, but just the last couple of years. And uh, he said that that one of the things they were able to do at the alternate site because they couldn't get the reps that he would normally get in a minor league season was to try to to do as much game strategy with him and really turn the hitting the, the hitting cage into a lab of sorts or a lecture hall. And, and they would go over at-bats, not only his at-bats of the past, but they would go over Mike Trout's at-bats. And they went over Joey Bart's at-bats a ton. And uh, we know that Bart really learned a lot from his struggles last year. But it turns out Ramos might have learned quite a bit from them, too. And when he was on a, a Zoom call with reporters after that game yesterday, he said that he didn't like his second at-bat very much. It was a bad at-bat. And so he's really focused on middle away. He kind of knew that they were going to attack him away. And if it was middle away and they missed over the plate then he was going to be ready to hit that pitch. And that's what you saw, his second home run. He went with the pitch, and he's strong enough again to hit a homer on a pitch that was middle away. So a lot to like about this kid. Not only his confidence and his physical tools, but he's got a, a certain shine about him, like a little joyfulness streak about him. Those are the kinds of guys that you really like to watch. You know, you can read scouting reports, you can see minor league stats, uh, and, and kind of get an idea of where a prospect is. But you don't really know who the baseball nerds are. And I mean that in, in like the best kind of way, that the guys who really want to dig into mechanics and and spin rate and strategy and all that stuff. If you have someone, it's like a six tool. If you've got someone who's into that, who's really, you know, taking an approach of learning about what he did right, what he did wrong, you know, how he can get better. That's huge. And it sounds like from reading your article, it sounds like that's something that Ramos has. Yeah. And, you know, what his timeline is, I mean, obviously Giants fans want to see him as soon as possible. Um, and, and, and it's going to be kind of interesting. This is something that I want to talk to some Giants officials about uh, because we know now there's not going to be a triple A season until May. They thought that hopefully they could start it a month before double A and below, but they're, they're not going to be able to. And and the reason it is pretty elemental. I mean, you still need um, that uh, alternate site group of players who can fill in and who can be roster call-ups, but they need to be kind of in a quasi-bubble still because players are still going to be tested. We're still going to be going through the protocols. Um, and you really can't do that with a AAA player who's taken all these commercial flights, you know, here and yonder, uh, uh, because that's how they travel. And so, you know, we're going to have a month if, if as long as there aren't any other delays or unforeseen circumstances, knock on wood, um, we're going to have a month where there's going to be some alternate site players, and then you're going to have your guys like Ramos and Bart, and I don't think they're going to be at the alternate site. I think that they're going to stay probably my guess would be they're going to stay in Scottsdale and play in camp games and and uh, and, and have more meaningful um, 
opportunities to to just work and, and to be on the field because uh, we know at the alternate site you get a couple at bats here and there with just the pitchers who are available and that's it so I I think that those guys are probably going to stay in Scottsdale that's my hunch I'll try to confirm that but um, you know they really want to make make uh, make up for as much lost time as possible and, and missing that first month is, is not going to help Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Ramos just happens to be someone at a position where the Giants feel fairly comfortable. You know, they feel comfortable, obviously, with Yastrzemski, and they feel comfortable with uh, Alex Dickerson and, and Austin Slater as part of a platoon. They feel comfort- comfortable with Dubon in center. Um, you know, Darren Ruff, I don't think, is going to get a ton of time out there, but he could. You know, he could stand in a uh, an outfield corner without swallowing his glove. I, I think they're happy with that crew. And then you add in that that Ramos is uh, a non-roster invitee. He's not on the 40-man roster yet, so you'd have to get rid of someone if you're bringing him up i don't see like that immediate fit but at the same time if he just keeps hitting like this i wouldn't put it past the giants to say okay you know what what can we do this makes us better this makes us more watchable why not i i I just see see it being a little bit of an uphill battle for him yeah and and the one thing we do know because farhan zaidi is on the record as saying this is they're going to be pretty conservative in their placements to start the year they they Mm -hmm. recognize that that guys are going to be all over the map in terms of their development uh and their readiness after missing pretty much a whole year um so they're gonna you know probably err on the side of caution when they're sending these guys out. So I would expect that Ramos would start at, at, at double A because he's only played, what, 24, 25 games uh, above A ball, uh, all, at, all at double A. Um, and, but I, I tell you what, I think that they will respond to what they're seeing. And if he's showing that he is ready for more, they're not going to hesitate. They're going to be aggressive in promoting these guys. And Ramos is not a catcher where you really need him to understand a lot more nuance of the major league game at the major league level. I mean, you always hear farm directors say that catchers need more time uh, because of everything they have to do on the other side of the ball. You know, this guy is uh, an outfielder, and he's got to be ready to catch the ball, and he's got to be ready to to throw to bases, and he's got to be ready to hit. And that's uh, there's you can really move someone like that fast when they're showing that they've got the ability to to take on more. And so I think that's that's the way they're going to look at Ramos this year. Yeah, I wrote in January about him being sort of a not a forgotten prospect, but someone who doesn't get you know he's not getting the the hype that uh, Luciano is or Joey Bart even. Uh, he's he's just like a really strong guy. He's going to show up on a top hundred list of prospects. Uh, Baseball America they had their list of the toolsiest position player prospects, and he was thirty third, right? And 
the scouting scale is 20 to 80. There are reasons for that that I forget every time. But it, so 80 is like Hall of Fame level. Uh, 20 is someone you, you really who can't do that job. You know, Benji Molina would be a 20 uh, runner and you would have Ted Williams be 80, you know, a hit tool. So with Ramos, he his hit tool is a 50. His power tool is a 55. His run tool is a 50. His field tool is a 55. His arm tool is a 55. And what that means is he's just above average at everything. He's not going to wow you and be the fastest guy uh, down to first base. He's not going to wow you and be the best fielder, uh, whether it's in center or a corner. He's not. His arm's not going to blow you away. He's not Clemente out there. He's just good at everything. And if he's a little bit stronger, maybe that power tool can can be his calling card. But he's just a really well-rounded, polished prospect. Yeah. And, and we've seen the Giants have had, you know, guys who have all-around tools. I mean, one guy who comes to mind for me immediately is Dan Ortmeier, somebody in their system mm. they were really excited about, who was big but athletic for his size, uh, who had, you know, power projection and, and showed power but hasn't really hit for it yet and and he's a guy that, that the Giants were really high on for a number of years and it just he just kind of stalled out he never developed and I wonder you know how many players um, Giants fans have gotten excited about over the years um, if they had some of the instruction that's available to them now you know how could they have used that and could could they have picked up on something that would have helped them turn a corner and 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 maximize some skills and, and compete a little better. And, uh, you know, it's it's one of those deals where you'll, you'll never know. But I, I really do think that there is so much more that they can do um, to bring along somebody who who has that hit tool, that, that just raw ability, and, and sort of polish up everything else. And, and Ramos is a guy who has shown he can impact the baseball and, and do it uh, consistently and how it's going to play against upper level stuff. I mean, that's that's a question. How how he's going to respond when he's attacked differently and people adjust to him. That's always a question. But hey, hitting a homer off Sean Doolittle is is a is a good place to start. Like I said, it was not down the middle. It was not a meatball from Doolittle. It was sort of like oh, you know, the the major league joke. You know, too high, too high. It looked it looked like it was too high, and it just kept sailing. Mm-hmm. Um, you talking about how prospects from the past. Uh, if they had different instruction, modern instruction, the modern technology, that feels like an invitation to just close out the rest of the podcast with Eddie Martinez Estevad uh, chatter. <laughs> because I, I, you know, like that, it, Todd Linden, like there are guys I think about, like what if they had access to this kind of film or, you know, this slow motion video? Uh, it, it's wild. But I, I think the Giants are in a good spot where they have, they have a lot of, of players that, it feels like they they have a lot of you know clay that they can mold like when you're talking hunter bishop that's he, he's a big dude who's too fast for his size who's, that's a know, lot just, of clay yeah that, he's just he is <laughs> just compelling and then you 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 fold in the fact that he you know seems to know the difference between a ball and a strike he took weight you know, bananas amount of walks when he was up in salem um so i don't know it it seems like they have a good combination of toolsy guys who fit the profile that they're working with. What's cool is that there's so many people that we can talk about. And and I'm going to yeah. segue to your article, uh, which had just a wonderful main photo uh, attached to it of <laughs> Logan Wyatt. <laughs> it's Logan Wyatt looking straight at you being like, get away from me. Don't bother me. I think there's like, there's like a sultry. He's like, you know, he's got some smoke coming out. A little bit. Yeah. There's a little blue steel there. But uh, anyway, five <laughs> potential breakout Giants prospects to watch in 2021. 
and our, our fine editor, Melissa Lockard, uh, could not find any Logan Wyatt, uh, Wyatt photos in our system except <laughs> for this one where he looks just really hacked off. Like 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 That's someone so just like he just took his fast food order through the window. He got home and he realized that they gave him a fillet of fish. You know, that, that that's that's what it looks like. And uh, uh, but but you know, the main art is great, but the article is really where the value is here. And um, and yeah, let's talk about some of the guys you picked as the five sort of not the main guys, but the other guys that might be interesting. Absolutely, because it's you can talk about Ramos, and you know you're going to be interested in what he does. You know you're going to be interested in Bart's development. You know that you, everyone who is you know tangentially related to the Giants is interested in what Marco Luciano can do. But there are, I picked five guys who, they're kind of like bellwether guys, where if the Giants can pull this off, I think, you know, if we're expecting them to hit on at least a one or two of, of Hunter Bishop, Luciano, Ramos and just you know the, to get uh, maybe not all star level guaranteed but like a, a solid regular at the very least we're expecting that from at least a couple of those guys but when it comes to a guy like Logan Wyatt so okay so he he does have the blue steel going but he is <laughs> you know the Giants draft him and what he is he is a guy who had. Uh, excellent plate discipline in college at Louisville. Just excellent. Just, you know, he's he's walking twice as much as he's striking out. And that's hard to teach. It's hard to teach, okay, this guy can recognize spin early. He knows when it's going to dive out of the zone and and that's going to help him. Uh, he's a big dude. He's 6'4". He's two, 230 pounds. But he never hit for power in college. And so the Giants, they look at a guy like that and they say, oh, we can fix that. You know, I, we, we can teach him the power. It's harder to teach him that eye, you know, the the ability to recognize spin and, and where the, the ball is going to end up. And if it works, that's a hell of an organizational skill to have confidence in. If the Giants can turn Logan Wyatt, and I'm not saying 40 home run power, if they give him even like Brandon Belt power, that that's a, a big step for an organization. Yeah, he seems like a guy who, who even if he doesn't develop that power, I, I think of Sean Casey. You know, he's a guy who was a first baseman. He walked a ton, um, didn't really hit a lot of homers. Um, you know, more like a Mark Grace type first baseman. Uh, and and this is what sort of boxes Logan Wyatt in is that he doesn't have a ton of positional flexibility. I mean, the bat has to work for him to, uh, you know, to be a major league contributor. Um, but you know, you you yeah, you you look at uh, his ability to control the strike zone. That's not everything, right? We, we saw uh, Drew Ferguson, a Rule 5 pick a couple years ago. Sure. They loved the fact he took walks. Well, it turned out he really couldn't hit. He couldn't impact the baseball. And sure. you're not going to get pitchers to pitch carefully to you and, and go out of the zone, try to get you out of the zone, if they think they can get you out in the zone. So, you know, it all it's it, the chicken and egg all starts with being able to, to hit the damn egg. And uh, uh, we'll find out just, just how he can barrel stuff up as, he's, as he faces more premium uh, type stuff. But, but yeah, the... the, the the sort of the the steel structure, um, uh, all of the all of the substructure is there to work with in terms of understanding the strike zone. So I yeah I think he's an interesting guy. Will Wilson is uh, another guy who who doesn't have the flashiest tools. He was a first round pick, so he's got tools enough. Uh, but a comparison might be like you know Joe Panic didn't have the flashiest tools, and he was a first round pick. Wilson was drafted higher than that, but the Giants essentially bought him. And I'm fascinated to see how he does because you know the Giants had to have really liked him. They were scouting him with the pick that they ended up using on Hunter Bishop. Uh, they liked him so much that when they got the opportunity to essentially buy him, take on Zach Cozart's uh, what was $11 million salary uh, just to get Wilson and then release Cozart, uh, they did it. And so 
he's important because if this works, Farhan Zaidi can can ask again. Like, hey, can I? You remember that thing I did with Will Wilson, who's hitting you know two ninety in the majors right now? Can can I try that again? Uh, and if he doesn't work, maybe they'll still get a chance to try it. But it's a fascinating gambit, and it tells you just how valuable young players are because you know a lot of scouts thought Will Wilson was a bit of an overdraft, um, mm. you know, and 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 weren't really so enamored with his. Uh, tools. He's another guy who sort of does everything kind of well. But to the Giants, a guy like that was worth $11 million. And, and by the way, let's take a moment to just reflect on how the universe has just shown sunshine down on Zach Cozart. Because in a year that was crappy for everyone, I mean everyone, Zach Cozart might be the one guy who can think back to 2020 and be like, oh yeah, I remember that year. That was great. That was the year that every major league player made a third of their salary, and Zach Cozart didn't have to play baseball, and he made all of his salary, all $11, 12000000 million, whatever it was, because the Giants had released him, you know, before uh, – um, uh, you know, in, in before spring training, and so he got his full his full salary. He wasn't it wasn't prorated. So, and he was the highest paid giant, of course, the highest paid giant on the payroll last year was Zach Cozart. Delightful, delightful. All right. Now, I'm not going to talk too much about Sean Roby because you you can read it in the article. I want to get your irrational prospect um, because it, in the article I write about, I saw Sean Roby do uh, a good thing once or twice, and now he's my you know favorite prospect um, just because I saw him do something good for five seconds at spring training. Therefore, I have you know like inside knowledge. It's a very human thing to just be like, aha, you know, I've got I'm, I've got the secret knowledge that no one else has. So, do you have a prospect like that? A guy you have seen and you were just impressed, and he just happened to impress you at the very moment. You you were looking at him. Yeah, I will go with one guy. Um, I remember a couple years ago, I was at Salem. I was doing a piece on Joey Bart. So I was there, watched about four or five games there. And uh, they had a third baseman, David VR. And uh, he's a guy who hmm. was an 11th round pick from, I, I believe, uh, University of South Florida. Um, and he just looked like a major league third baseman. I just, you could just tell his actions were major league. Um, he, he just, he really looked like someone who just, he looked like Eric Chavez, maybe not with quite the range, but, um, you know, just, you could see that, that he moved like a major league third baseman and he's got, you know, some power to work with. Um, but he strikes out a lot. Uh, I think his last year at San Jose, I'm looking at the numbers now, 423 at-bats, 144 strikeouts. So, you know, he's somebody who, if they can, you know, get him to maybe change his approach a little bit, um, maybe figure out a way that he can uh, make a little more consistent contact, uh, I think he's someone who could move very quickly. Um, But, you know, where all these players are, it's just hard to say, because last time we saw him, he was 22 years old playing in the Cal League in 2019. So, um, you know, where do they start a guy like David VR, uh, especially when they have other third basemen in the system? It's guys are going to get squeezed out, especially with one fewer minor league level. Uh, we do know that there's only five rounds of the draft last year, but there are going to be probably a lot of players who end up getting released at the end of, of the minor league camp. And it's, it's going to be really a shame because the opportunity is not going to be there for a lot of guys to play baseball. But, um, you know, I think you have to look at, at what uh, David VR did early on. I, I, I see he had 13 homers uh, when he was at Salem in 226 at-bats. So the power is definitely there. Um, it's just a matter of, of, of having him make more consistent contact. Perfect example of a guy who we could be talking about right now if there were a minor league season in 2020. We don't know what he would have done. Maybe he goes uh, back to San Jose and hits his way up to double A. Uh, we, we don't know. 
it's just a total mystery with guys like that. And that's a that's a good point. Um, now, you mentioned the the draft. You mentioned the the five round weirdness. And I got one of those draftees on this list. And that's R.J. Dabovich. And I've never said that name out loud. So I apologize if it is, uh, you know, some some weird Krzyzewski pronunciation like uh, Devoy or something. But uh, R.J. Dabovich throws hard. He is a dude who can get it up close to 100 and everyone loves his spin rates. He's one of those spin rate guys and he can spin it. Um, I would just say that don't pronounce the V like a B and the B like a V like they do uh, in Havana because then you'll, he'll have a much different name. Um, yes. But uh, <laughs> no, he's 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 funky. I think the Giants like funky. They like funky yeah. guys. Uh, different arm angles. Um, you don't have to all be Tyler Rogers's, but guys who can spin the ball and throw with some deception. I mean, that works. That works in a major league bullpen, especially when you can get a number of those guys. So, and I, I do think when we saw it with, with Kayla Berger last season, you know, if, if they think the stuff works, I, I really do think that they have a lot more that they can model uh, to figure out if someone's stuff is going to play against big league hitters. They don't need to see you throw 250 innings in the minor leagues to figure that out. On the pitching side especially, I think they can look at your stuff and they'll know if it's going to play or not. And uh, and maybe you can even employ the element of surprise sometimes and throw someone in the big leagues who's, who people just don't have a whole lot of video on. So, um, yeah, I think all these guys are, are, are definite uh, – interesting candidates and, and and maybe we won't see them in the big leagues this season but but yeah they've, they've camilla duvall i mean uh, uh Deniel nunez some of the stuff that he's been throwing this spring it's it, there's a lot to be excited about right and so that that gets us a good segue to gregory uh, uh, santos because we might see him if only because he's on the 40-man roster the giants had to add him to the 40-man roster to keep him away from the rule five draft and the, when the Fangraphs did their top 100 prospect list, they included Santos on there. And the quote that I pulled for the article was, if a college arm were to come out of the gate with stuff as good as Santos showed during Instructional League, they'd be the early season favorite to go first in the draft. That That is not, you know damning with faint praise that is like holy shnikes that is that's a big thing for a, a site like Fangraphs to say they say he has first overall stuff i mean that that's pretty good to hear right um, it's wild and honestly the guy who who we haven't mentioned yet who's who's you know blowing doors off really is is sam long uh, he's hmm. a guy who could, we could definitely see in the major leagues uh, uh, maybe even on the opening day roster, uh, because he's, his stuff has been overwhelming too. So, um, and, and he's a guy who, you know, had been released by by the Rays and 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 uh, and and made his way back with the help of some <laughs> some viral tweets from Pitching Ninja into getting a, an opportunity with the White Sox system. And the Giants liked him, and and he was kind of buried there, and 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 uh, was a minor league free agent, and scooped him up. So yeah, I think that's kind of the cool thing is is we're seeing interesting arms coming from the rule five draft coming from you know minor league free agent signings uh coming from guys that have been drafted from international players i mean that that's how you build a lot of depth in your system is you just you're kind of relentless about all the different ways you can acquire talent through every different means and that's kind of what we're seeing with the the number of of interesting relief arms and uh um yeah the giants are collecting quite a number of them when i did the intro to this podcast i was tempted to use the joke welcome to bags and frisbee a show where we talk about elliot ramos and sam long because that's all I want to talk about is Sam Long right now. Like you, you wrote about Ramos. Uh, he had the huge day, but the eye opener for me yesterday, apart from Ramos and, and Barton and the the power barrage, was Sam Long 
looks so good. I mean, he doesn't just look like, oh, I could see how that would work. Like Chadwick Trump is is putting his glove, you know, in a spot and he's hitting that spot over and over again. Nicky Delmonico yesterday, uh, he's a, you know, he's a major league hitter. He has 508 career at bats in the majors. He's he's a fringe guy, um, but he's a major leaguer. He's he has a 90 OPS plus in the majors. Sam Long disassembled him like, you know, when you when you blindfold yourself and take apart a rifle like that's what Sam Long did to Nicky Delmonico, <laughs> just like disassembled him bi- blindfolded, started him off with the first pitch curve. Ball, that's nasty. Uh, threw above the zone with uh, a mid to upper 90s fastball. Again, nasty. And then just put him away with an even nastier curveball. And it was three pitches with uh, with runners on base. See you later. I, I was blown away. That did not look like a prospect. That looked like a major leaguer. Okay, let's start with this. First of all, Nicky Delmonico is the guy who got whacked with the with the with the uh, with the whipped cream pie in the opening scene of Bugsy Malone, right? I'm I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> uh, Nicky Nicky Nick, Delmonico. Nicky, yeah. hey Nicky Delmonico. Um, I, you know what? I, I should step back and say and say this. Um, when we're talking about Gregory Santos, and you know we're sort of falling all over ourselves to praise. Uh, Farhan Zaidi's group for all the ways that they're acquiring talent. Gregory Santos came from the previous regime, and uh, yes. he's a guy that you know Bobby Evans, Brian Sabian, their whole scouting group identified, and he came over from the Red Sox in the trade for another Nunez, Eduardo Nunez. So uh, credit where credit's due for that, and I think that we would have heard a lot about Gregory Santos uh, earlier if he hadn't taken a really vicious line drive uh, in BP to the head um, when he was at Salem-Kaiser, and, and thank goodness that he has recovered from that, but it really did. Uh, I mean, he, he had trouble for a long time getting his, his balance and, and, and getting all those concussion symptoms uh, to subside. So yeah, good to see, good to see him uh, sort of back on the doorstep of, of, of being a big leaguer. You make a good point. Something that I'm, I'm really fond of pointing out is that Bobby Evans, he left a lot of parting gifts. Signing, the international signing class that he had with Luciano, uh, Luis Toribio, uh, Alexander Canario, like Farhan Zaidi walked into a system that was, you know, thin. It looked thin, but it had a lot of prospects that he could work with. So I don't know what these prospects would be doing with the old regime, you know, because you they might not have been developed in the same way. So you have to give Zaidi and, and crew some credit, uh, maybe most of the credit. But he sure had some parting gifts when he took over. You know, it's, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll join this team with Marco Luciano. I think we can make that work. And Gregory Santos is one of those. You know, Eduardo Nunez, how do you get, you know, he's a fun player. He's fine. He's he's valuable and useful uh, but how do you get like a, a arm like Gregory Santos for Eduardo Nunez it's it's a good sleight of hand yeah I mean well I mean there's there's all kinds of guys who they either don't know enough about them or they don't think they have as much projection as they have I mean um, you know we can go down the line with you know guys the Giants have, have even traded away whether it's Francisco Liriano or or um, why am I blanking on his name? The Reds ace. Um, Luis Castillo. Thank you, Luis Castillo. People forget that he was originally a giant. He was traded a couple of times uh, by the Giants and then by the by the Marlins. So, um, yeah, it's it's sometimes those are the guys who are the lotto tickets that get thrown in to a trade. And, and, and this is something that, um, to bring up Melissa Lockhart again, she told, she told me uh, was something she noticed when uh, Farhan Zaidi was with the A's, that a lot of the trades that he would help to put together um, were kind of th- were three for one deals, a major leaguer for a prospect. It'd usually be a guy at AAA who had you know some established numbers and could be on the verge of, of being a big leaguer. Maybe some guy you had to dream on a little bit, um, but 
had some minor league time, uh, who was maybe a, a, a you know, low ceiling guy, and then it would be an absolute lotto ticket. You know, somebody who had just signed uh, an international free agent was maybe 17 or 18 years old, hadn't played in the U.S. Um, that was sort of the pattern, and and this that trade was kind of kind of like that a little bit. And now, what's interesting is. Sean Anderson was the other guy who came along in that trade uh, for Eduardo Nunez, and and Zaidi's group turned him into Lamont Wade Jr., who looks like a pretty interesting interesting guy, and and could have the versatility to be a pretty handy um, fit on this roster. So so a trade that there's they've still got a couple um, things to show for. All right, before we wrap up, I'm gonna ask if you remember me talking about Chainsaw Guy. Do you remember Chainsaw Guy? Your neighbor, right? Yeah, yeah, my neighbor Chainsaw Guy. So there there have been some developments. So if you're hearing the music bumping and shaking my house, uh, that is Chainsaw Guy. Uh, but Chainsaw Guy has now also become Chicken Guy. He has chickens. And the chickens are constantly in our yard. There's a rooster, a very vocal rooster. Oh um, my he, gosh. He likes, so it's chainsaws at night. It's uh, house rattling music uh, during the day. And occasionally there's chickens and like chickens hang out in trees. Did you know that? Like no. that they have, a, they have enough <laughs> vertical lift to hang out in the pine tree that's, that's over our house. It is, I'm not even mad. Like I, it's such a good bit. Like chainsaw guy is one of my favorite neighbors. It's just always interesting. He's always swearing at his dog. Dog, uh, in a really like just like this great angry voice like you would want this guy as, as voicing a cartoon character because like it's amazing uh, I can't even be mad so p- long story short if you're hearing music thumping in the background of this podcast that is Chainsaw Guy and he is a gift and if you hear chickens and chainsaws at the same time you know what's for dinner <laughs> oh there's gotta be more than one way to skin a chicken well there is alright well thank you for listening to episode 116 of the Bags and Brisby podcast we will be back with more giant stuff more Elliot Ramos talk maybe a whole Sam Long podcast I could do that uh, but thanks for listening and we'll see you next time <laughs>